This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, it's Lane here. Today is just going to be me. Make sure you guys go to the website, sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. Uh, today's podcast is entitled How I Lost $40,000 as a Passive Limit Partner Investor. Today I'm going to talk about a project that I did that I did way back in 2013 where I bought a $43,000 house and the opera ran the property into the ground and I just sold this property uh, earlier this year for a total loss of 40 grand. So I essentially lost pretty much everything. The beginning, you know, th- this is the dark side of investing as a passive. I always say you got to know, like, or trust and this has been no apparent than uh, this instance right here. And, you know, my partner, part of MFPE, you know, he also lost a lot of money investing in a strip mall. You know, something that his takeaway was something he didn't understand at the time. He didn't go for the mentorship. And, uh, you know, just investing with some rando at some uh, REI club. So here's the timeline, how it happens. Maybe you guys can learn something from my mistake. 2013, you know, when I was a lot more greener, I had a couple of rentals at this time, but I haven't done any of the out-of-state investing, the remote investor stuff yet. 2013 again, I had 43000 in my self-directed Roth IRA. Gotta admit that I just was looking for something to put that money in and just to take it out of the stock market. I got a referral from a self-directed IRA company. I'm not going to say who they were. And they recommended going with this outfit that offered this deal where I work as a limited partner to them. They give me 9% back paid monthly and we would split 50-50 on the profits when they eventually sell the property in like about five years. This came off referral and I kind of asked the self-directed IRA people, I was like, you know, what do people normally use to invest the self-directed IRA money? Because you know, there's a lot of uh, prohibited transaction rules. You got to be careful what you invest in and you can't really use leverage. And as I say all the time, I don't really like QRPs or all these uh, self-directed IRA things because you just can't leverage this stuff. Along came this opportunity in 2013 to invest in, essentially it was like a note or it was like a passive position, no leverage. 2014, very shortly after I you know, wired over the funds and took title to the property, then I heard the dude that was in charge of this operation was sort of a scam artist from my network. And I was kind of like, well. <laughs> Not being one of the big boys investing quite yet, aka the accredited investor in the eyes of the SEC, it's tough to find good options for investing. But then I started investing in the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP Fund, which is crowdfunding the mortgage crisis in America. The fund collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when they approached me to become an advertiser of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, and if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email to lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. It's a little bit too late. I mean, let's just see and watch this. So I started connecting with other of his clients via the interwebs. And I learned that he he was doing this in a few other markets. Um, the one I had mines in was in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. But he's had another in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. And you know, I started connecting with other people. I figured, well, you know, if there's going to be problems, it's just better to build my network out now. 
2015, a couple years after I bought the property, my buddy who had a property in the Mississippi portfolio said that they had gotten a nasty letter in the mail saying that the LLC, the operator, went bankrupt. And we kind of started digging into it. Uh, we looked at the taxes and it looked like the taxes weren't being paid for an entire year on that property. So, you know, if you ask me, that's just a, that was a huge red flag that this was a sort of strategic bankruptcy that the guy kind of ran it into the ground on purpose or tried to extract whatever money he could out of it. In that letter, my friend said that he was given a couple of two or three options, you know, none of them really any good. First option is like a do a deed in lieu where you take back the property and you kind of have this problem property on your hand. And the second is wait in court forever. And that's not really a good option, especially because it's a relatively lower dollars, just not worth the legal fees. So everything went fine for a few months, but then inevitably in 2016, I got my nasty gram and it said the same thing that yeah, inevitably the portfolio had gone under and the guy was saying he was going bankrupt. So I had that same option. I engaged with a lawyer there to kind of to take care of all the paperwork to do the deed in lieu for me. I think it was about like 500 bucks or thousand dollars of legal fees. Um, you know, I was kind of all over the whole thing. It was just a real pain in the butt, if you ask me. You guys kind of know what kind of property this was. It was a three-bedroom, one-bath. It was a very small house. You know, $43,000 was the initial purchase price. The tenants were paying $500 rents. And I was pretty lucky compared to the other people who had other houses. The other people seemed to have tenants who trashed the homes. This is kind of where the story started to come out of what a shyster this guy was. You know, the property management that kind of took over, you know, all these properties said, you know, the manager just wasn't really doing their job, or the asset manager wasn't really doing their job, and it was definitely a screw job from the beginning. The problem here was, like, you know, this this property was in my self-directed IRA, so all these legal proceedings was real pain because I had to write this property to my trust that was owned by my IRA, and I couldn't bring in outside funds to help the property or that could, you know, that throw out my tax sheltered status per the IRS. So everything was kind of going well. You know, I was collecting my $500 rent checks from these tenants. It seemed like it was okay. But then early in 2017, the property went offline and the tenants just went AWOL on me. And uh, here's a email from the property management. They said the Laying the home is pretty bad cosmetic shape. Keep in mind, it looks worse than it is. The photos will be shocking, but most appears to be cosmetic repairs. The exterior just needs cleaned up, cut grass, trim hedges, clean, and small repairs to gutters and downspots. However, the interior had a bathroom leak on the second floor, and there's a lot of trash. It will require new flooring throughout, a new vanity in the bathroom, as well as new caulking around the tub. It will need some patching and painting of the interior walls, a new drop ceiling tile about, oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to read the rest of this. But as you can tell, the cost kept adding up and up and up. And, you know, it wasn't that much, but it was just more money that I had in my self-directed IRA to put into the property. And I didn't want to bring in liquid funds outside to bring into it and, and mess with the whole tax implications of doing that. You know, another option would be to partner with myself, but I was like, Man, what a pain in the butt for just a small property. 
So the summer of 2017 came around and the city had all the complaints about the grass. There was also an instance where we lost Western Union checks that the tenant had given us that weren't written out to my personal name. They were written um, out to the trust name and I just couldn't cash them and then they got lost. Absolute like disaster <laughs> at this point. And in August of 2017, I finally just said, screw it. I got the broker to list it for $25,000 initially. And you're going to, this, is, this is what kind of really pissed me off was that the broker fee was $4,000 on this thing. That's a huge chunk. That's like 20, almost 20% of the whole entire purchase price of the home. But I guess brokers have to make a living somehow with these small cheap houses. The average days on market out there is 180 days for a retail-ready property. And my property obviously was not retail-ready. I've got some pictures of it on the website. If you guys want to take a look at it, it looks good from the outside. But man, it's just, what a, what a time suck. I had a couple investors get in contact with me because they knew I was distressed. And first one kind of fell through because they were sort of low-balling me. The next one, I kind of just was like, man, I don't want to wait 180 days plus. Like, that's just too much money sitting like there doing nothing. And I mentally, I just needed to move on. Like, you know, these, these syndications are just way better than all this stuff. And at this time in, in late 2017, I was kind of moved, getting over the whole single family home turnkey rental thing myself. So I was kind of off into bigger and better pastures and... I just saw it as an opportunity to just get rid of this and also get rid of the Roth IRA. Because after all the sales and commissions and the headaches, I think I walked away with like $7,000. I had some money left over in the Roth IRA account because there were some um, you know, just leftover funds that were in there, old contributions. So what I did is I just closed the, Roth IRA, the self-directed Roth IRA account. And with Roth IRA accounts... You can take out the contributions at any point in time, penalty-free. You know, so even like a decade ago, I, I used to use my Roth IRA as a sort of emergency fund. Put the money in in the beginning of the year, and then at any time I could take it out if things got tough. Luckily, I never had to do that, but it's just a good uh, slush fund. So another reason I just wanted to close this account was it was just another account open and just to minimize administrative headaches. I realized that I needed to spend more time finding deals, networking, and making podcasts and screwing around with these small properties. I'll say that to a lot of you guys I talk to, a lot of folks are dealing with small things that just really doesn't put money into the bank, and it's just kind of wasting time. So I urge you guys to take my lead and identify what are the things that you're doing that are time wasters. Another reason why I don't like these QRPs, like I, I realized like I was getting killed with these ticky-tack fees from these self-directed IRA companies. I mean, they were almost taking like 1% a year at these smaller amounts. And, you know, when you're only making 10 or 20%, that's a big chunk of your uh, your gains. I think with this company that I used, they had like a $50 uh, transaction fee every time when you did something. So it just kept adding up and up and up um, that it just... For me, it just didn't make any sense, even though it was tax sheltered. I mean, heck, you gotta pay. You, I already paid the taxes with the self-directed IRA, or you know, a lot of you guys are playing around with the solo four hundred one ks. I mean, you gotta pay the tax man at some point. You wanna just pay it. So, 
in conclusion, the lessons learned here is don't invest with anyone you don't know, like, or trust. And I will also say outside one degree of separation. I'll say there's a lot of people coming up to me these days pitching deals to the Huido Pipeline Club, but I don't know them and I'm just not willing to put my brand on the line. And you know, I def- this is something I definitely do struggle with. There are a lot of people with seemingly good track records, but I just don't know them. I will also say that there are good people out there doing bad deals just to do deals and picking up acquisition fees. And, uh, you know, unless you're diving into the numbers, you're just not going to be able to tell. Take a look at some of these pictures on the website. And, um, yeah, hopefully this won't happen again to you guys or myself again. If you guys feel sorry for me, please leave me a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. And that make me feel really special inside. And uh, sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm going to have a beer or something now. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.